At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com you ready to hear the saddest statistic we may have ever shared here on Homesteady? 90% of goat owners report having lost a goat to something other than old age. That's really sad. That means most of us who own goats are going to experience some really heartbreaking death. The sad truth is, although they're super cute, they can be really hard to keep alive. That's why we talked to Deborah Neiman, the author of Raising Goats Naturally and Goats Giving Birth, all about these major problems facing goat owners and how we can overcome them. So I thought, oh, this is all going to be so easy. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah shares some expert advice on how to keep these animals happy and healthy. Let's dive into our discussion with Deborah. You okay? <laughs> Gonna nibble my nose. Ow! <laughs> it's pretty fitting in an episode that's all about keeping your goats alive that it would be sponsored by a company who uses goat milk in their products. Laurel Mountain Soap, you guys have heard me talk about them a lot. They are the sponsor for this episode and two of the products that they make that are my personal favorites. They're goat milk and honey soaps, which are just really great quality soap made of the best quality ingredients. And now I'm really excited to talk about the latest product I've tried from them, which is their goat milk based shaving soap. If you've seen the YouTube channel, you know I got a nice big mustache, but I do have to shave to keep that mustache trimmed. And shaving irritates my skin, it irritates my neck. Goat milk soap is better for your skin than a soap that you would buy from the supermarket loaded with all kinds of stuff you don't want to be putting on your biggest organ of your body, your skin. A lot of commercially made soaps will have harsh chemicals that can strip your skin of the natural moisture and oil which leaves it feeling dry and tight. This is not true of goat milk soap. Goat milk soap is high in a natural fat. It can moisturize your skin. Also, very interesting for a shaving soap, a goat milk soap contains natural exfoliants. That'll help prevent those nasty ingrown hairs. I've switched over to using only Laurel Mountain soaps for shaving. When we're reaching for a bar of soap, we reach for Laurel Mountain goat milk based soaps. They make an amazing product. Laurel Mountain Soaps is a family run company. They support our podcast and they make an amazing product that Kay and I both love. Check them out. There'll be a link in the description of this podcast. Use coupon code HOMESTEADY to get a discount off your purchase of any soap product from Laurel Mountain.
honestly thought it was going to be super easy. I thought everything about homesteading was going to be easy because people have been doing this since the beginning of time. So how hard can it be, right? Right. You know, like 150 years ago, something like over 90% of people on their uh, income tax returns said that they were a farmer. So, you know, they didn't have universities, like they just, they just did it. So I thought, oh, this is all going to be so easy. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what I didn't realize back then, you know, like everybody grew up with it. So they learned it growing up, you know, I didn't learn any of it growing up. So the first two years actually were super easy. Like we had zero problems at all the first two years, you know, and I thought like, oh, dewormers, psh, who needs those? They didn't have those 150 years ago and goats are still here. You know, I didn't realize that when you put up fences that you've just created a very unnatural environment. And so you need to compensate for that in some way. And that's when the problem started. We had a, we bought a buck who died like two or three weeks after we got him. And um, I rushed him to the university vet hospital and he died like within an hour or so of us getting him there. Four months later, two more bucks died. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. And I had had, I was starting to have fertility problems in my does at that point. I was starting to have birthing problems. We were having kids born prematurely. When you have does that are not getting pregnant, not staying pregnant, giving birth to tiny little kids too small to survive, um, that is really, really um, devastating. We've been there, we've had goats die. At that point, it could be easy to give up. But Deborah didn't, she doubled down. She wanted to fix the problem and do better. I started doing research. Um, none of the vets could tell me what was going on. And um, so I started doing research. And luckily I was at a university at that time um, getting my master's and also teaching. And so I had access to their scholarly database. So I could actually dive in. And that was when I found all of the emerging research. Slowly over time, Deborah began to find solutions with her goat herd to the point where she actually wrote a book all about raising goats naturally and avoiding these common problems. We got Deborah on the podcast today to help all of us who own goats navigate these confusing health problems because we know they are affecting most of us. In fact, when we went to our audience and asked what problems they were facing, we found four ways that most people's goats were dying. One of them was labor and delivery, and we're going to cover that in a different episode all about just kidding, pregnancy, delivery. The other big three ways goats were dying, we're gonna discuss in this episode. And we're gonna start with number three and work our way to the number one way that goats unfortunately are dying. So number three, the way that 27% of the homesteaders in the homesteading community mentioned losing goats was just problems related to feeding and nutrition. Deborah gave some fantastic advice to make sure that you're getting your goats the good basic nutrition right out of the gate. Basically, I always tell people just start with proper feeding for the goats you have and a good mineral. And a good mineral is one that is available free choice 24-7. It is a loose mineral, not a block. For one thing, 90% of the blocks that are out there are mostly salt. 
like it just completely blows me away that the same company that creates a loose goat mineral with 50 ppm selenium would have a block with one ppm selenium. There is no way in a million years that a goat is going to get enough selenium from a block with one ppm selenium. It's just never going to happen. And what's really frustrating, goats absolutely need a loose mineral. They have a very small, soft tongue. You know, somebody told me, oh, well, the person who sold me my goat said the best mineral is the one your goats will eat. So like that sounds good, right? But it is so wrong <laughs> because, and this is where people are like, oh, well, I had loose minerals out there and the goats weren't eating them, but they're licking that block all the time. Yeah. They're licking the block all the time because they can't get enough minerals from it. If <laughs> look at a good goat mineral. It tells you that a goat is going to consume between a quarter and a half an ounce a day. You are probably never going to see that goat consume that mineral. And if you only have three or four and you put a couple pounds out there, you're going to think, oh, they're not eating it. Wow. That is so little. You are probably never going to see most of your goats consuming it, you know? And so, you know, and especially like if you've only got three or four goats and you put a couple pounds out there, it's going to disappear so slowly that you are going to think, oh, they're not eating it. So it must not be any good. And then you put the block out there and they're licking it nonstop. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is what they need. And it's like, they're not getting what they need, which is why they're licking it all the time. We actually prefer with our cows loose mineral too. That's uh, just for getting good absorption and making sure they're getting what they needed. Even blocks, we try to avoid blocks with the cows too. Okay, you mentioned feeding, Deborah. What what is a good you when we first got into goats, everybody said, Oh, that's oh, you're getting goats, good. You can feed them garbage, right? <laughs> what oh do you my God. right? Have you heard ever heard that one? <laughs> oh yeah. I've heard it all. I I've you know, because I also I mean I sell goats. I've been selling goats for 21 years and uh, honestly it gets harder every single year, <laughs> mentally and emotionally. Um I now have an application that people wow. have to fill out because I have just had too many horrible experiences through the years with people buying my goats and then having just horrendous problems that never should have occurred because yeah. they did something wrong. Yeah. So there is no one size fits all feeding plan. You know, you can't just say, oh yeah, just feed your all just feed all your goats this this food. So bucks and weathers just need a really good grass hay. Alfalfa has too much calcium and protein in it. They don't need that. They're not growing babies. They're not making milk. Does that are pregnant need, their hay needs to be at least 50% alfalfa by the third month of pregnancy. If it's 100%, even better. I have a great podcast episode on hypocalcemia. And you find people online, unfortunately, quoting cattle research. Oh, wow. um, there's a ton of research on cattle that shows... Yeah that feeding alfalfa causes hypocalcemia in cows. <laughs> I had Dr. Van Son on from uh, Penn State last year to talk about this. And he said, if there is one way to cause hypocalcemia in your goats is to not give them alfalfa. Like goats are not little cows. Goats need alfalfa at the end of pregnancy to prevent hypocalcemia. Their body does not work the same way um, as cows when it comes to processing calcium. So, it, you know, so 50 to 100% alfalfa at the end of pregnancy 
uh, last two months. If you're down like in Georgia or something and you've got peanut hay or another kind of legume, that's fine. But it's the legume hays that are going to be really high in protein. They've got twice as much protein as grass hays, which is what you need to grow baby goats. And you also need a lot of calcium to grow those bones in the baby goats. And then you need a lot of calcium and protein to make milk. So your does are the ones that need alfalfa or whatever legume hay is available in your area. And then the bucks just need a nice grass hay. For a very beginner who doesn't even know where to start learning this information, is there one test, one person to talk to, one way that they can get off in the right direction learning more about what they specifically need where they are? So even like I said, you know, the person who sold you your goats, because people are like, oh, I'm going to do what, what they told me to do. <laughs> Their farm could be completely different. You yeah. know, like, are they on two acres or 32, two acres and dry lots or 32 acres with pasture? Do they have well water or city water? All those things make a difference. So to start, you get a good free choice loose mineral like Sweet Licks Meat Maker. And you give them the appropriate forage that they need for their gender and life stage. Only milkers really need a 16% protein dairy goat or goat feed. Don't ever give goat something like just cracked corn or something like that. That's like giving candy to a child. It, it, it is. I mean, come on. Think corn oil, corn syrup, corn starch. <laughs> It's a lot of fat and sugar. <laughs> like if you want to fatten your goats up to slaughter them, go for it. Uh, but that's not usually the goal. You know, most people like are hoping that their goats are going to live a long, healthy life, that they're going to be productive, in which case you need to feed them appropriately. If you're feeding your goats correctly, they will look good. They will have the right amount of weight on them. They won't be too heavy. They won't be too thin. That is unless, of course, you're dealing with a different problem, which brings us to the second reason why a lot of people wind up losing their goats. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. 33% of the homesteads that we talked to while researching for this video told us that they had lost at least one goat to worms, parasites. We have gone through this. It's a really, really difficult problem to face. And that's why I wanted to get Deborah's advice on how we could stay on top of the parasites because they are a real serious problem for goats. It's intestinal parasites are a problem that you need to deal with. And people say, oh, well, I dewormed him a month ago and he's still not gaining. Okay, well, that dewormer didn't work. You know, you've got to figure out how to get control of the parasites and and it's not a, a vet told me this ugh, over 15 years ago she said you will never get control of worms with drugs it is all about the management you know you need to either be rotating pastures or have your goats on a dry lot because grass is a really vital part of the parasite life cycle those worms um you know the goats poop out the eggs the eggs hatch on the pasture and then there's larva. So I personally like to move my goats off of a piece of pasture when the grass is less than six inches. We have, we have plenty of grass and I just don't want to risk it. 
you started talking about how management is such a big key. How do you, what's a good starting place for management with uh, preventing this problem of parasites? So I, I've thought about this a lot. Like why do people, why does everybody think that you just stick goats in a little pen and leave them there? Cause that's what I thought too. <laughs> and, and I really think it comes down to the fact that like, that's what you see when you go to the zoo. That is what you see when you go to like, you know, historic parks or whatever. You don't see a bunch of, you know, you don't see 15 empty pastures with the <laughs> animals in one. We, we've never seen examples of rotational grazing. So that's really the key. You know, in nature, animals do not live in a tiny little pen. And people are like, oh, it's a big pen. No, it's not. In nature, they range over thousands of acres. The other thing, too, about goats that we always have to keep in mind is that goats are genetically, they are browsers. They are not grazers. And this, the light bulb just, I asked a vet professor this, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I'm like, why do goats have so much trouble with parasites? My sheep are fine. My cows are fine. My chickens are fine. And he said, he goes, well, my opinion is because we're all trying to turn them into grazers. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like historically, you know, in fact, even, you know, you think, oh, those people 150 years ago really didn't know anything. No, they did. There's a really old saying that goats should never eat below their knees. And there's even a really old saying about sheep that says you should never let the church bell ring twice on the same pasture. Like they were talking about rotational grazing a long time ago. But this just all got lost, you know, when when we all moved to the city. And then, you know, after World War II, agriculture became so industrialized and they got the idea that like there was, you know, like with humans, there's a pill for every ill, you know, they thought they could fix every agricultural problem with a drug or a chemical or something. And the reality is when it comes to parasites, there is no drug or chemical or herb or anything that your goats need to be consuming on a regular basis. They just need to be not consuming worm larvae. So you don't even have to move them every day, you know, like, you know, if you move them like every five or six days, that is awesome. But even if you, you know, can move them every two weeks, that's good. Cause like there's assuming they're not too overloaded in that space, you know, they've only those, those worms have only been infective larvae for like the last week to nine days. So it's just really important that, you know, the goats are not eating from their toilet. And some people get offended when I say that, but I'm like, you know, nobody listened to me until I said that, but that's the truth. Like yeah. they're eating from their toilet. Like you just, that does not sound healthy, right? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. But unfortunately, sometimes it can be pretty hard to prevent that. We all have full-time jobs and responsibilities. And for a lot of people, rotational grazing is just too much of a time commitment for something that is mostly a hobby. So there is a solution, dry lots, and Deborah talked about them. Deborah, you did mention earlier, you said either management or a dry lot. How is a dry lot, if that's your path that you choose to go, how is a dry lot an effective tool against parasites? Because they're not consuming the infective larva. Um, they, from a pasture, they get the infective larva from short grass. 
what does that entail? Is that, you know, on concrete, cleaning it every day, no grass on the edges, gravel? Like what, if you were to design, if someone wants to go the dry lot, I mean, some of us, we don't have the option with the amount of space we have. What do you make sure of? What's, what do people look out for? So yeah, you could do concrete. The other thing is I know a vet who raises uh, Kikos and she d- did the most of cool awesome dry lot i've ever seen she has she put down road felt and then on top of that she put down gravel and she's you know with the way that goats poop berries she said the berries just you know go right through the gravel no problem that way it never gets muddy in the spring and stuff and you know she said it was expensive but they did that like i don't know 15 years ago and it's still good we did the same thing when uh we moved to this homestead in pennsylvania we upgraded because it was our barns at the bottom of a hill all the rain comes down hits it and it was just mud city so we put in a couple uh, livestock heavy traction mats the geotextile fabric gravel the only thing i would suggest if i were to redo it uh because we have more than goats but even with goats because you know not maybe your goats don't waste any hay but ours have a bad habit Gravel is really hard to clean the hay that we found. So if I were to redo it, I would do a top layer of sand because that would just make it easy to clean. So now we we can do a lot to manage for worms. We can make sure we have rotational grazing and we can make sure. And of course, we could, you know, if people want to learn more about these specific topics, you um, you have so many different episodes of your podcast and your book so people can learn more specifically about each individual thing. But we want to cover everything today. Um, on the drug side. There's, of course, the age-old battle of natural remedies versus, you know, big pharma solutions. Uh, do you have any guidelines as far as the use of either of those, both of those, and then when working with drugs, how to find some solutions if we do need to go in that direction? So I did everything wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got started in 2002. So that was when everybody was doing everything wrong. It was, it was like at the apex of of like the worst parasite situation uh, with goats. We were literally sitting there watching goats die. Like, I know you have worms. Like I I learned to do my own fecals and everything. Like I was was sitting there looking at a a slide that was just covered with worm eggs, covered. Like I could not have even begun to like manually count the number of eggs on there. And this, this buck was dying. He couldn't even stand. I tried everything like not just with him like with him i tried like i tried the herbal dewormers you know they're like oh if your goat actually has a dose you know like you're supposed to give it to him every week but if your goat actually has worms give them twice as much and so i was giving him twice as much like for several days and doing more fecals it did not kill any of them i mean it didn't make a dent in in the number of of eggs that those worms were producing inside of him and after a week of being unable to walk he died and so I tried everything, you know, I tried, I tried putting basic H in the water. I tried very expensive garlic tincture. I tried, um, were I tried herbals from like three, the three most popular online herbal goat places at the time. None of them worked. I tried apple cider vinegar. Like if anybody told me this is supposed to kill worms, I tried it. I had nothing to lose, you know? And nothing made a difference, you know? So I say basically mother nature called my herd and I was left with ones that had really good parasite resistance. 
and you still have to do all the things right. You know, like I had, I had one buck. The only time in his life he ever needed a dewormer was when somebody screwed up on the pasture rotation. They, they put the bucks back on a pasture um, sooner than they should have. And, and he wound up needing, but that was the only time in his whole life. So like, so don't think that like, oh yeah, you can just, just let mother nature call your herd and then they'll all be fine. No, you still have to do the pasture rotation. Maybe managing for worms seems like a lot of work, but honestly, it's the better problem to have when compared with the other leading cause of death that we found in goat owners. And that was disease. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. 36% of the goat owners we spoke to talked about losing at least one goat in the herd to diseases. And, you know, I always tell people, like, you really should hope it's worms because worms is <laughs> really easy, okay? If it's not worms, then you're looking at something like yonis or, you know, something much, much worse that may be incurable, maybe infected your whole herd and will mean that your whole herd needs to be exterminated. I mean, there's a lot of stuff worse than worms. We sadly have experienced this firsthand on our homestead, not with our goats, but we did have a cow that was tested positive for yonis. If you're new to our story, you'd have to go back a couple of years in our catalog to find this. Our very first family milk cow, who was very much beloved by our family, tested positive for yonis. And this is a very challenging disease to manage and work with. When we were faced with this diagnosis, we found a fantastic animal vet to work with, Cody Creelman. With him on our side, helping us make these decisions, we were able to manage this disease and we have never had a reoccurrence on our homestead. And let's hope that that is always going to be the case. If you are faced with a disease problem, it is a more difficult problem to manage than worms, as Deborah said. It's generally a good idea at this point to get involved with a professional veterinarian, but that can be difficult to find when you are dealing with goats. Not all vets are created equal. And so Deborah had some fantastic advice on how to find a vet that would work very specifically well with goats and your herd, and what to do if you can't find one who actually has experience how you can at least get a head start in treating your animals for the more difficult things that you will perhaps be faced with in time as a goat owner. Do you suggest somebody find, uh, if they're out there, vets with more experience with, with uh, goats? What's the best way to, what's the best direction to point someone in when it comes to working with, you know, using drugs with your goats and finding someone who's more switched on with what's currently working? It is definitely important to find a vet who knows goats. I just yesterday, somebody messaged me about a two day old kid that has watery diarrhea and the vet said, oh, it's coccidiosis, give it Corid. It's two days old. 
I'm sorry. That is impossible. Like I use that word almost never, but like, do you just look at, look at the, any of the goat vet textbooks? Coccidiosis happens after three weeks of age. If a kid has watery diarrhea when it's two days old, you're looking at something like E. coli or, you know, some kind of a virus or something like that. It's really sad when like that's why you have to have because like to find out what's wrong with that kid like she needs a fecal culture not a flotation because it's not parasites a culture to see what kind of an infection is causing this watery diarrhea you know you can't just think oh i'm gonna join a facebook group <laughs> They're going to be able to do it all. You know, I have a membership where we have meetings on Zoom three times a month. And, and I tell people right up front, like this is not a replacement for your vet. There are going to be times that you need to have their diagnostics. You need to have prescription drugs. You need to have procedures that only a vet can do, you know, like a C-section. I mean, we've had over 700 kids and we've had three C-sections, you know. I mean, stuff happens where you're going to need a vet. So you really need to do your best to find one that actually has real goat experience. If you're, if you're interviewing potential vets, what would you ask them to know whether or not they're, they have enough goat experience? Any way somebody could root out, you know, potentials? Because we have seen this. We have seen vets. We've lost goats to vets who just, they, they're trying to help and they're prescribing, you know, what maybe they think is right, but we've had, we've lost a lot in the past to go uh, vets who just were not switched on with goats. Yeah, exactly. If you ask them how many goats they see in a year or, you know, how many goat herds, uh, you know, they see in their practice, something like that. Somebody contacted me one time, you know, who joined my goat 365 membership. And she said, that she was joining. She's like, I know this is not a substitute for a vet. I have a vet, but she told me that she, she hasn't seen any goats in three years. Oh, um, yeah. Oof. So, so she told me right up front that she does not have a lot of experience. And that's nice. If they'll, if, if they'll just be on, we have had vets where they'll just tell you, Hey, I don't know when <laughs> we got camels a couple of years back and uh, they're like a giant goat when it comes to the worm issue. We, of course, with camels, every vet we talked to had zero experience. So what we wound up doing was telecommuting with a vet in Australia, who they see camels all the time, and then she worked with our local vet. So the nice thing about the internet is, you know, there are those options out there where we maybe we can work with somebody with more experience, and then they can team up with our local vet to, you know, help, you know, do the prescriptions and any kind of procedural stuff too. So, all right, well, that's, that's awesome advice there. Just one other good question to cover for, especially for newbies. You already mentioned a lot of these, Deborah, but maybe we'll just give a couple bullet points for people to look for. Signs that there's something wrong with your goat. Uh, when you look at your goat, you come out in the morning and you say, you know, you go to feed your goat. What's something you want to just be looking for to, to make sure that there's, you know, just the first warning signs? If they're not eating, somebody called me one time because her goat was like laying down screaming in pain. And they're like, yeah, she never ate her food last night. And I was like, okay, last night you should have called the vet. <laughs> like, goats love their food, you know, like <laughs> yeah, anybody else. So if they're not eating, that's a bad sign. And the thing is they're prey animals. And so prey animals do not want to show any vulnerability. 
So they're usually pretty quiet until things are, it, things are really bad. It's really good to know like what's normal about your goat, you know, especially if you've only got two or three goats. So you, you don't have a lot to compare to, you know, like stick your head up to your goat's rumen and listen, you know, and I mean, it sounds like a circus in there <laughs> so that, you know, later if your goat is acting funny and you stick your head up your ear up there and go, Oh my gosh, there's so much noise. Is that normal? Like, yeah, that's good news. You'll know. Yeah. Like If you hear nothing, that's bad news. <laughs> and you know, to check your goat's eyelids, like that's one of the things that's really great about like not relying on fecals every single day when I milk a goat, like I just run my hand down her spine, you know? So I know, like, I know how she feels, especially in winter. Cause their coat can, that yes. coat can really hide a lot, Yeah, especially in bucks. Like I feel like bucks are at such a disadvantage because we're not handling them on a daily basis. They have really long hair. And in winter, when it gets that fuzzy undercoat, you know, there was, I'll never forget the time that my son brought in a buck that couldn't stand and when I put my hands on him, I just wanted to cry. Like I could not believe how skinny he was and that we had not seen that because his coat was just so big and fluffy and everything, you know? So it's really important that you pay attention, make sure everybody's eating every day. Also that you put your hands on them as much as possible, you know? And with bucks, I know that's not fun. because <laughs> <laughs> But like, that's the last thing I do before I go inside, you know, <laughs> like feel, you know, run my hand down the bucks uh, and you don't even have to do your bucks every day. You can do your bucks once a week yeah. so that you know that. And and then if they feel, if they feel skinny, you know, to check the eyelids. Um, and that's the thing, like that's, it's so easy and it's quick and it doesn't cost anything and it'll, and you will know so much quicker, you know, like, Fecals give people such a false sense of security. A few months ago, one of my goats, 365 members had these goats that were very underweight. And, and I said, wow, this like in everything she described, I'm like, this really sounds like worms. And she's like, oh no, they had a fecal three months ago and it was clear. Oh man. And I'm like, oh, do you know how much worm larvae they can consume in three months? <laughs> yeah. Oof. And so she, you know, I told her to check their eyelids and, and they were extremely anemic and she took, you know, and I said, yeah, they're, they need to be treated for worms. And she took in more fecals, even though I didn't, I mean, based on everything she said, I'm like, your goats have a very bad case of worms, but she took in more fecals and got confirmation. Like, yeah, they were loaded. <laughs> A lot can change in three months. How oh, often, yeah. uh, for like a Fomacha test, how often do you suggest that someone check, you know, check the islands? Obviously, run your hands down them every day. Do you do that too with the eyes? No, not with the eyes. Not unless, like, if the if the body doesn't feel so great, then I'm like, oh, I wonder what your eyes look like. But if you know you have a bad problem, like if you're just getting through a problem, it's recommended that you check their eyelids every week. You know, if you have a goat and if you have a goat that's recovering from worms, just keep them in the barn. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is that if they have a goat that had white eyelids, they give them the dewormer and they stick them right back out there on the pasture where they can consume more worm larvae. <laughs> so when a goat has a really bad case of worms, they need to be kept in the barn so that they cannot consume more worm larvae until they've recovered from their current illness. 
Dealing with parasites is one of the most confusing things about working with goats. In fact, in the extended version of this podcast, Deborah went on to explain why you should not rely on fecal egg counts to manage your goat herd. I probably haven't done a fecal now in five or six years. Wow. Um, because what one of the things that I discovered was... For the last decade, we've owned so many goats, and I learned so much in this one-hour-long discussion with Deborah. If you want to have access to the entire commercial-free, uncut version of this podcast, as well as all our other podcasts, click the link in the description of this podcast to become Homesteady Pioneer. Well, that, I mean, that is an awesome 101 just on the general health, the nutrition, the care, you know, signs of problems there. Deborah, you have helped, I'm sure, so many people listening uh, who are going to be doing this, people who've been doing this to get better at it. I know we've been at GOATS <laughs> against my will. <laughs> we've been at GOATS for years and years and years now. And uh, they always throw curveballs. But I have to say, um, I'm glad my daughter made me get GOATS again because it's they are a nice presence on the homestead. Don't tell anybody I said that. But <laughs> So if someone, th we covered a million bullet points today. We covered a very high level overview. You have so many resources out there for people who uh, want to dive into this in depth. Let us know where should people go to learn more about what you're doing, what we talked about today. What do you have for people to, to gobble up? On my main website, thriftyhomesteader.com, I have um, 600 articles, including about 200 that are about goats. And um, actually, it's more than that. But like, because I'm just doing my 100th podcast. I episode. saw. Congrats. You're right there. Yeah. Um, so the podcast episodes are on there also. And then I've got Thrifty Homesteader Academy, which is where I have my online courses. And there are links to everything on the Thrifty Homesteader website. Awesome. So people go check out uh, the podcast. If you're listening right now on the podcast, go check out uh, with Deborah site and her podcast there. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll have links in the description to this video so you can find that. Uh, this has been fantastic, Deborah, and uh, you know we covered all this at a very high level. Maybe in the future someday we'll get you back to go deep dive into one of these specific topics. Uh, but I, I can't suggest people enough. If, if you do have goats and any of these questions you're wondering, there's entire episodes on everything we talked about. So go check out Deborah's podcast. You will not regret that.